Let's pray. So God, we, we approach your throne uh, boldly, asking for you to speak this morning. God, I pray for myself to become less so that you can become more. Use me as a vessel. And God, as we speak on the subject of change, I pray that your name is glorified, that my heart is evidence that it's, it's all about you and your kingdom and your bride, which is the church. God, I pray that we continue to live for you in a way that, that even turns heads of those that are skeptical, that we're able to take the truth that is brought forward today from your word and apply it to our lives immediately upon leaving these doors. God, allow our love for one another here to be so radical that others can't deny your reality. And God, of course, I pray for your cross and your name to be glorified, to be lifted high, and to be the center of today's message. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your cross for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die on that cross for our sins. But Lord, not just dying. He rose again three days later, proving that through faith in you, we can have eternal life. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church. Thank you for coming this morning. It is a joy and a privilege to be here with you. Today marks two weeks. I have been here officially two weeks, and let me say we are absolutely loving it. Uh, thank you, Linda, for bringing the announcements. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. I got to say, if we're about to drop 10 grand on a zero-turn mower, we're not going to be short on volunteers. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we are so grateful for our council and for really keeping this place under tight ropes in terms of budgeting. Um, so, as I mentioned last week, we're going to be kicking off a six-week series, and, and we're going to be calling it Prepare. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through different aspects and areas of ministry that we need to prepare for change in at our church here at Hope Community, not just in the weeks to come, but really for the years moving forward. Now, change is a hot topic for a lot of people. It's a, it's a word that you hear and either you cringe or you grasp at it. Some love it, some absolutely hate it. Some don't want it at all, and others believe that it's absolutely essential. Well, I have to say, testifying here, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I don't necessarily want change, but, but I know that there are many areas that, that need to be changed to allow for the the growth of, of the Lord's moving and, and whatever he's going to bring, whether it be numerically or, or spiritually or, or whatever it is, but we want to be prepared as a church. And with what I believe God is going to do here at Hope, we all need to learn how we can best be prepared when it happens. Now, my prayer is that over the next six weeks, God is going to help us all to loosen that tight grip, tight grip that we have on things within the church and maybe even within our own personal lives so that we can begin to put these idols at his feet and allow him 
to do what he wants with them. So today we're going to talk about change. Prepare for change, as Don put together the beautiful slide. Thank you, Don. You know, it reminded me of this story that I recently heard about a pastor. Many of you know his name, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he began his preaching ministry in Wales. Of course, in in typical Martin Lloyd-Jones fashion, he, he went to one of the most difficult, stubborn, and wayward churches that was in the area, the hardest church that he could find. Now, this church was so off target from being gospel-centered that they put more attention to their plays on Saturday nights. They would, they would literally move the, the pulpit off the stage and, and would put on these little dramas by members within the church, so you could, you could just imagine the quality of acting. They would do this along with any other country club activities that it almost came off as, as Sunday was was a second hand, or, or it was secondary, it was on the back burner. Sunday message, the Sunday service was not the focus of the church. Some would even go as far as saying that they became a burden. These plays, they would, they would go on week after week after week, drawing people from all over the city, but the Sunday service attendance began dwindling. And the spiritual depth of the church was shallow at best. Well, of course, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones stepped into the pulpit, and he was absolutely crazy about what was happening at this church. And the the first thing that he did as he began his ministry is, is he took the pulpit from the side, brought it to the center of the stage, and bolted it to the floor. You see, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones knew that with everything that will change and and that will not change, the faithful teaching of the truth of God's word must be the center of the church. Now, before we we dive into this portion of the series, I want to make it clear that contrary to popular belief, the church is not dying. I'm going to say that one more time. The church is not dying. I believe that the church is just as as strong as it's ever been. And nothing is going to change about the strength of the church. Why? Because it's in the palm of Christ's hand. And he is the cornerstone. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I believe that we are witnessing followers of Christ almost all at once wake up and realize that these concert plays and motivational speeches given from church pulpits will not get us into heaven. And they sure won't make disciples. As I once have heard before, weak sermons produce weak sheep. And what is a weak sheep to a wolf? What we are seeing today is a movement away from from growth numerically to a wave of followers of Christ seeking him more than anything else and desiring nothing less than a 
deepened relationship with Christ, with our Heavenly Father. But as long as we are proclaiming the gospel, loving one another, and giving glory to God through Jesus Christ, sky's the limit with what he will do with Hope Community Church here in Lowell, Indiana. So as I said, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about change and how we can prepare for it. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. We're going to be looking at Exodus 18 this morning. Exodus 18, it was a passage of scripture the Lord gave me and he burdened my heart with. And I was like, what are you going to do with this one? And, and he revealed such rich content and rich truth on the topic of change as I went through my preparation. So if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one right in front of you on the back of the seat. You can grab it. It's just a second book in the Bible if you're new here this morning into the Old Testament. Genesis is the first. Exodus is the second. Please, I encourage you to follow along with us. We're going to be looking at the entire chapter 18. We'll take it in bite-sized pieces, but not too small because there's a lot of content here. Um, Let's begin by reading verses 1 through 12, Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12. I got the ESV here, verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was and camped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in, in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Underline that. The Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. And that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, but blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh. And has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now. I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread and Moses' father-in-law before God. So when Jethro came to Moses, you know what, let's do this, let's, let's do this. first point, change honors God's faithfulness. Change honors God's faithfulness. So when Jethro came to Moses, he didn't start barking orders. 
He looked around and celebrated with Moses' family regarding all of the work that, that God had done through them. He was, he was so astonished and, and taken back by the very fact that the Lord had not only taken the Israelites out of Egypt, but, but that he used Moses to do it. Now, this is, this is significant because Moses was, was just a small shepherd boy. And, and if you actually, if you look at Exodus 3, chapter 3, verse 1, you'll, you'll see that he was actually in charge of tending Jethro's sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. And he was used to, and, and he was used to defeat, this little shepherd boy was used to defeat the most powerful man on the face of the planet, Pharaoh, and lead slaves out of the strictest captivity that is arguably known to mankind. A little shepherd boy. So, so instead of, of Jethro bowing down to Moses, Moses bows down to Jethro. He immediately looks up. Jethro does. He immediately looks up, and what does he do? He gives all of the glory and the credit to God. He doesn't come in Moses' camp and, and begin telling him what to do because he's his father-in-law. Some know from experience how that feels. He doesn't start hanging a proverbial carrot in front of Moses and say, you better do this or I will force you out of your position. He's not saying, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I think it'd be really good if you did this. I'll give you some money under the table if you go this route. Instead, the first thing he does is he, pray, he praises God for the work that has been done already. You know, when I look at Hope Community Church today, week two of, of being here, I can't help but, but stand in awe of what God has already done. Of course, we can't, we can't move forward with without honoring the work of the prior pastors. I look at Pastor Barry. I don't think Pastor Andy is here, but their work has been so faithful to God's heart. They have been instrumental in the way that hope has been a light to the community here at Lowell. And personally, I, I have to thank them for plowing that path. You all here went from, from using another church building to host your services to now completely owning this this new church building, which is incredible in just six years, not to mention all of the, the salvations, the, the discipleship, the, the, the rededications that have taken place. I mean, can we, can we break our silence here? Can we give, a, give an applause to God for his faithfulness to hope? Now, as we continue to move forward and, and we do begin to bring about these necessary changes, we must never forget where we came from, where God has brought us from, what he has delivered us from, and thank him in advance for where he's going to bring us to. You know, if we can maintain that posture and that perspective, we then also maintain a posture of gratitude which truly pleases the heart of God. Change honors God's faithfulness above all else. Change honors God's faithfulness. But, but as Jethro began to look around and acknowledge the work of the Lord through the Israelites and, and Moses' leadership, he, 
he noticed something that required change. And, and he would even say required change quickly. Let's take a look. Verses 13 through 20. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why, why do you sit alone and, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? He gets context. Continue verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people came to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Second point for this morning, change produces efficiency. Change produces efficiency. Jethro, I want you all to take note of this. I took note of this as I was reading through it. Jethro took some time to ask questions and make sure that he had the full context of what was going on before he began to make suggestions. Look at verse 14. Jethro asks some questions. What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? He's asking for context. He wants to fully understand the situation. This is absolutely crucial. Too many times I, I have seen a person sit back and say, you need to do this. You need to change that. Or, or why don't we just launch a new ministry that, that goes whole head on into the community? Why don't, why don't we have kids ministry every single week? Or or these songs need to change. We need more people up on the stage to worship. And then, and then that's when I say, that's a fantastic idea. I, I absolutely love it. When would you like to start? And I've often heard, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have time for that. I just came up with the idea I'm glad we can laugh. Let me say that it's, it's crucial to gain a full understanding of why we do or don't have something before we start barking orders. And not only that, but if you're going to bark orders, I would highly recommend you get your boots to the ground too. By following this step, you realize that, it's, that it is best to have this particular ministry or it's best to not have it, or, as I said, better yet, there's room for you to start it. Full transparency, I'm a very enabling leader. If you want to start a ministry here, there, there's a very good chance that I'm going to give it that check mark of approval. 
But to, you, to that I would challenge you, be ready to do it. Now Jethro sure didn't beat around the bush in terms of the way that he communicated the necessary change. In fact, I would even say he was very direct. I don't know how I would receive it. In verse 17, he literally said, What you are doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. How would we all receive that feedback if that's the first words that came out of their mouth? But then he went on to explain why the current processes was actually hurting the people. You see, Jethro didn't point this out for his own gain, but rather for the gain of God's people. We all say that we want change until the change comes. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> we all say that we want change until the change comes to whatever it is that we hold the closest. Too many times I've seen change implemented in a way that is not God-glorifying, but rather ego-satisfying. That's dangerous. I think we all are starting to think of Incidences that we've walked through where the change was made for the people, the glory of the person, and not for the glory of God, and then we see the harm that comes with that. This becomes dangerous because it's at that point where whatever we are holding closest becomes our idol. What we must remember is that whatever it is that God has entrusted us with, whether it's a ministry or a spiritual gift, or a large amount of resources, it's not ours to begin with. We are only the stewards. It's God's. And, and that is actually to be freeing to us rather than burdensome. It makes change easier because we are reminded that we are called to care for what God has given us rather than own what we believe is ours. keep moving this morning. So Moses is, is hanging out with his, his father-in-law. He's hanging out with his family. His, his father-in-law demands that Moses makes a change for the sake of the people, his family, and, and his own good. And, and now what's Moses' reaction? This is very important and sometimes the hardest part. Does, does Moses throw a tantrum? Does he get all mad at Jethro? Let's look at verses 21 to 27. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they should bring to you, but any small matter they should decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. You'll avoid burnout. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. Verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Point number three. 
final point for this morning. Change unifies God's people. Change unifies God's people. As we now look to analyze the way that this change was implemented, we must take note of a few things here. First, the way that Moses reacted to the change. He didn't get all insecure and and stand his ground and say, no, this is either going to work and you either accept it or you leave. Or even worse, listen to the feedback and then go and gossip behind his back. How dare he say something like that? Does he not look around and see what we're doing? Gossip kills, no matter the intention. So Moses took this feedback, and he acknowledged it. He respected it, and he implemented it. A lot of this, and it's important, was because he trusted Jethro. There was a culture of of trust within Moses' family, and he knew that anything Jethro was going to bring to Moses was for the good of him, for the good of his family, and for the good of God's people. You see, if we can develop in our mind that someone is out to get us, or or a stubborn mindset that, that we will not allow any person to speak into our life despite how beneficial their advice might be, we are setting ourselves up for failure. You know, my great uncle, many know him as Dr. Warren Wearsby, he said these words, nothing paralyzes our lives like the attitude that things can never change. We need to remind ourselves that God can change things. Outlook determines outcome. If we see the problems, we will be defeated, but if we see the possibilities in the problems, we will have victory. My friend, when change comes, let us see the potential for victory rather than the potential for problems. Notice how Moses let his father-in-law depart after his suggested changes were made. Jethro didn't come in and and point fingers and, and blame Moses and say, this is what you need to do and this is how you need to do it, but I'm not gonna volunteer my time or my resources or anything else to help you. I'm just here to tell you what to do. As I said, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in church ministry. <laughs> People that have all the time in the world and they just seem to notice everything that is wrong with the church and they are so quick and bold in every way to point it out. But the second that it comes time to put the boots on the ground, they're nowhere to be found. Friends, Church, this is my call to you. If you want to see change, you have to be part of it as well. It not only builds trust, but also deepens our faith. And I want to conclude with this. Notice how the point of what Moses was doing did not change. Rather, the way that it was done changed. The people were still being judged for their disputes and their legal matters. They were still given godly wisdom for their concerns, but the change that was made was simply the way that it was done. Why do I say that? Because my heart here is to prepare each of us for the change that is to come. 
We're going to see God produce efficiency within the church. We're going to see increased productivity. And I, I firmly believe that we are going to see God's people unified because of it. But the message that we proclaim and the, hope, and the mission of Hope Community Church, which is honoring God by loving our neighbors, sharing the gospel, and caring for each other, all of these will not change. And it must not change. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Yes, change will come. But the one thing that will forever remain the same at Hope Community Church is God's word, his gospel, and his love for us. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for your providence that you have demonstrated and allowed so many to witness here at Hope. Lord, as we were worshiping, I could not get off my mind the fact that so many people here are part of the foundation of Hope Community Church. And God, I pray even now for the days, weeks, months, and years to come that you continue to show your sovereign hand on Hope Community Church. Allow the growth that is to come to be unifying. Allow the change that is to come to be with you at the front. Help each one of us to gain each other's trust as the weeks go on. Lord, we continue to say thank you for all that you've done here. And thank you in advance for what you are going to do. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.